meditation has more than one definition. The pagan's idea of meditation is emptying one's mind and then focusing on an object, a person, or an activity. God's people have a very different understanding of this ancient practice. Meditation for a Christian is thinking about a passage of scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives. Joy always comes to those who love scripture and love to commune with Almighty God. Why meditate on God's Word? Because it is God's Word. God speaks through His Word. He speaks to all who hunger and thirst for truth. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so all who take the time to reverently reflect on what God says in His Word will have utter satisfaction and joy. Well, we are studying Psalm 1. The first Psalm starts out the whole book of Proverbs, or Psalms, pardon me. And Psalm 1 really sets the course for the Psalms. In fact, Psalm 1 really does outline what the Christian life is all about. And what you and I need to know is that in life there are two paths. Everybody kind of knows this instinctively. One path is called the path of the righteous. The other path is what you might call the way of the wicked. And this really is what Psalm 1 is doing. It, it, it's showing us the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. One is a path of joy, and the other one is a path of gloom and destruction, which we're going to get to in just a, another few weeks. The psalm begins with that word, blessed. And that word in Hebrew is ashray. It can be translated as happy. Ashray actually means happy. Uh, but in English, happy does not carry near the, the significance or the understanding that, that we would find in the Hebrew language. So we, we can translate it as happy. We can translate it as blessed or fortunate, enriched or joyful. In a lot of translations, Psalm 1.1 begins with blessed. Uh, the ESV, the KJV, the King James Version, the NIV all begins, blessed is the man. The New Living Translation says, oh, the joys of the one who lives this way. So I like the idea of joyful or joy because it really is a rich spiritual word that, that includes the idea of blessing. It includes the idea of happiness. It certainly uh, includes the idea of being enriched. Uh, it can even mean praiseworthy. Praise, the person who lives this way uh, is worthy of, of praise or, or special recognition. So we're talking about joy, the way of joy, the path of joy. And last week, we talked about the things that the joyful man does not do. We said that the joyful man, the blessed man, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers and mockers. These are the things that the, that the blessed man, the joyful man, does not do. Today, what we want to do is we want to look at what the joyful man does, does do. So we know what he doesn't do, and now we need to talk about what he does do. And so here's what we read. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So we're looking at that second verse today. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. In this second of five messages, David tells us that the one who delights in the law of the Lord is joyful. He's blessed. He's enriched. He's better off for delighting in the law of the Lord. So that's what we need to understand. What does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord? And what does it mean to meditate on that law day and night? So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the power of God's word to produce joy in your life and mine. That's what this is about. The power of the word of God to produce joy in our life. Now, some will ask, I thought we're no longer under the law. How can the law bring joy? Well, folks, uh, this is the way uh, that that people who don't know doctrine, who don't know the Bible thing. Uh, this is t- a typical sort of uh, thing that they would say. They don't know their Bibles and they don't know Christian doctrine. So they're saying, how on earth can the law bring me joy? Well, first what you need to understand is that the law of God is instruction, is the instruction of God. So we could substitute the word law for word of God. We could substitute it for instruction of God. We could use the word the Bible, the scriptures. Any one of those words or phrases would work perfectly in place of the law. To the one reading these words, they would understand that that's what the law means. It's the instruction that comes from God. It's guidance for life. It's how we live this life, this life that is supposed to please the Lord. Now, we could also say that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why could we say that? Well, If you have been with us for any length of time, you'll remember that we just completed about 27 weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And what is Jesus doing on the Sermon on the Mount? Well, he is basically going over the law of God. That's what he's doing. He's he's clarifying, he's giving commentary on the law of God. He wants the Jewish people, he wants his listeners to understand exactly what this law is about. What is, what is God saying to his people? So the law basically is telling us how we can live a life that pleases God. Now, one of the things we pointed out, and this is where, this is where some people get confused. They think, if I, if I keep the law of God, then you know, I'll, I'm, I'm into heaven, I'm, I made it. But the fact of the matter is, is that as we pointed out many, many times, not one of us is capable of completely living by the law of God. There's only one who could do it, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's our Lord, Jesus Christ. He alone is able to fulfill the law of God. The law tells us, furthermore, not just how to please God, but how to avoid the consequences of sin. So God gave these laws to his people so that they would be happy, that they would be blessed and joyful. A lot of people don't understand that. They think that that the 
that the rules or the laws of Christianity have been put in place to make our lives miserable. But in fact, the law of God has been given to us so that we will be happy in this life or blessed or joyful. Understand that. So how then can we experience this joy from the law of God if in fact none of us is able to keep all these laws? How does this work? Because the Bible's clear that if we break just one law, we're guilty of breaking all of them. How can this be a blessed or joyful thing? How can the law bring us joy? Well, folks, this is what the gospel is all about. You and I put our faith in the one who is able to live out the law of God perfectly. And the Bible tells us that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we then receive his righteousness. We are covered in his righteousness. We call this, sometimes we call this union with Christ. So when God looks at Alan Duncalf, because I put my faith in Jesus, when God looks at Alan Duncalf, he sees Jesus. And in this way, I am made right with God. I'm justified with God. You need to understand this doctrine. It's critical to understanding the gospel and to understanding the Christian life. I put my faith in Christ because he's perfect and I know I'm not. That's why I put my faith in Christ. And this is why, this is what you need to understand. The, the sinner, the person who has not put their faith in Christ, they usually think that they are, they are pretty good. They, they do good. They don't kill people. They, you'll hear someone say, well, I, have, I haven't divorced my wife, and uh, I don't lie or cheat or steal, and so therefore I'm a pretty good person. But the Bible is very clear that there's none righteous, no, not one. The only one who's righteous is Jesus Christ. And so I put my faith in him, and in so doing, I'm justified. I'm, I'm reconciled to God. I'm made right with God. I, I can have fellowship with my God in heaven. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Now, I gotta remind you that we discover this gospel, we discover this good news in the law. It's in the word of God. It's in the instruction of God. For this reason, because Christ died, you and I no longer have to offer sacrifices. We don't need to go to a temple and offer up a lamb or a bull to God because Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice once and for all. Folks, this is the gospel, this is the good news. And all those sacrifices that we read about in the Old Testament, they're all pointing to Jesus Christ. And so even in this, there is a gospel proclamation in the Old Testament. So folks, if you are under this impression that you can scrap the Old Testament because we're now under grace, I gotta remind you that the Old Testament is the beginning of the gospel message. You need to know the law of God. You need to know the word of God, the instruction of God, the Bible, the scripture, whatever term you wanna use, you need to know it because there's the gospel. It's through the Old Testament that we begin to understand our need of Christ. We begin to understand that we are sinners, that we are sinful, that we by nature choose sin over, over goodness. Now, a lot of you may or may not know this, but today is called Pentecost Sunday. It's the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we are a Pentecostal church, as, as many of you know, um, and so today is supposed to be our special celebration. But I gotta remind you of something, because again, a lot of people don't understand the significance of the coming of the Holy Spirit. For millennia, we as, as human beings have not had the ability to live according to the law as Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. We have not been able to do it. We may be, the Pharisees, they were able to, to live it out perfectly, but their attitudes were wrong and were bad. And that's really what Jesus is pointing out in the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? They may be doing all the right things, but their attitude, their heart's not right. It's for this reason that God says through the prophet that he is going to give us a heart of flesh in place of our heart of stone. You gotta understand this. Before you know the good news, you need to know the bad news about humans. Our hearts are hard. Our hearts are sinful. Our hearts crave what is wicked. And this is why we needed, first of all, the revelation of God, the word of God. And secondly, this is why we needed the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said this, when he would ascend to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit who would, what? Come and dwell in us. So here's what's happening, folks, is that you've got the word of God now quickened or anointed or made alive by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And this is why, uh, this is what Jesus meant in John 14, 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now remember, everything that Jesus said to us is scripture. It's the law of God. It's the word of God. The, the Holy Spirit and the word of God, they work together in tandem to shape us and mold us and make us like Jesus. We call this a work of sanctification. It happens as the word of God is applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need both to work in us. Now let me remind you, because again, some people still are not convinced. We're not under the law. But here's what, here's what um, Martin Luther said. I have lived to see the greatest plague on earth, the condemning of God's word. We're, we're all worried about COVID-19. And Martin Luther would, would say, hey, COVID-19 is not your problem. Your problem is that you no longer respect the word of God. You, you are condemning it as a society. And he says, this condemning of, the, of God's word is a fearful thing, surpassing all other plagues in the world. For thereupon most surely will follow all manner of punishments, eternal and corporal. This is what, this is what Martin Luther said. And folks, look at that. He lived, lived in the, born in the 15th century died in the 16th century. This is the man who brought reformation to the church. This is the man that understood that our greatest need is in fact the word of God. So, David says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Can I just remind you of what Paul said to Timothy? And this is a passage of scripture that most of us memorized when we were in Sunday school or in some Christian children's program. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God, that is breathed by God, it comes from God, 
and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So here's the thing, folks. There are people who will tell you that you don't need to worry about the law. Can I tell you that when Paul's talking to Timothy, the scripture is the law. That's all there is. There is no New Testament written yet. There might have been a, one or two letters, but I, I, I doubt it, except maybe the, the, the letter that Paul sent to Timothy, we now recognize the scripture. But when Paul wrote that letter, I, I don't think that he saw it, what he wrote necessarily as scripture. It's something that we came to understand later. The law of God, the word of God, the Old Testament will correct us. It will teach us to do what's right. It will prepare and equip us to do every good work. Think about that. If you want to know joy, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being joyful. If you want to be joyful, then folks, you need to fall in love with the word of God once again. You need to do what David tells us in Psalm 1-2. You need to delight in the law of the Lord and on his law meditate day and night. So falling, uh, failing to love the law of God and failing to live by the law of God will kill the joy in your life. Can I just remind you, if you're lacking joy in your life, this is a wake-up call. God, again, is waving a red flag in your face, and he's saying if you don't have joy, then you need to stop and consider what it is that's missing in your life. And I dare say that it's probably a famine in your, in your home, a famine in your life. You haven't been feeding on the word of God. Remember what, what God tells us. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It could be that you are starving to death spiritually because you don't read your Bible. I read some pretty shocking statistics, which I'm, I'm gonna share probably next week, but very shocking statistics about how people in Canada, North America, we have got more Bibles and more, uh, uh, more helps in terms of commentaries and handbooks and instructions and books, et cetera, et cetera, and, than we've ever had in the history of humanity, and yet we are, are more illiterate biblically than we have ever been. It's a, it's a big problem. And then we wonder why our youth, our young people, why adults, people of all ages are turning away from God. They simply don't know the word of God. And they don't have joy in their life and they don't realize that the lack of joy in their life is, is because they're not allowing the word of God to transform them by the spirit. So think about that for a moment. The, the word of God is is powerful to transform because the word of God is applied by his spirit. Now, if you know the law of God, you're, you're not gonna do what, what sinners do. You're not gonna walk in the counsel of the wicked. You're not going to stand in the way of sinners. You're not gonna sit in the seat of scoffers. But you're gonna, you're gonna choose another way of living. You're gonna, this is what you will choose to do. Rather than walking in the counsel of the wicked, you're gonna walk in the counsel of the law of the Lord. Rather than standing in the way of sinners, you're gonna, you, what you're going to do is you're going to delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Rather than being a scoffer and a mocker, you're going to be a worshiper. 
a delighter, somebody who delights in the law of God. You see the, you see the, the difference. You see the contrast that David is showing us here. So let's look at this. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. How do I use the word of God? How do I get joy? How do I derive joy from the word of God? Well, it's simple. It begins, first of all, with a sense of ownership. I want you to see this. You'll notice that I've underlined, underlined the law of the Lord, and that I underlined his law. Why is that? Well, I want you to see something. There is a progression here. At first, the law is called Torat Adonai. It's, it's the law of the Lord. It it's belongs to the Lord. But then it's called Torato, which means his Torah. But now we're not talking about God's law. We're talking about this man who's delighting in the law of the Lord. So it begins as God's law, but then it becomes the blessed man's law. Do you get that? You see the progression there? The this blessed man, this godly man, has, has now learned to possess the word because he knows the word of God. The more he knows the word, the more he possesses it and owns it. Isn't that interesting? It begins as God's word, and then it becomes my word. I possess it. I own it. Do you know that in the time that this was written, that they, everybody didn't have a copy of the Bible that they had at home. They didn't have three or four or five different versions of it. In fact, what, it, what they had to do, because they couldn't own it, is they'd have to memorize it. I read uh, somewhere that, that young, young Jewish boys would begin their, their training in the Torah, first five books of the Bible, so that by age 10, they would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. That's how they possessed it. That is how they owned it. it. When they first came to the law of God, it was his law. And by the age 10, it was their law. They possessed it. They owned it. There was a time when in church, young people, children were taught to memorize scripture. It's one of the things that I have loved to do over the years is to memorize scripture. I, I couldn't tell you how much scripture I know off by heart, but I, I know a lot because I've been studying it a lot and I've been memorizing it a lot. It is now my word. The word of God is his word given to me and now I own it. I possess it because I have studied it. I remember getting my first New Testament. It was in grade five. In those days, children were given a Gideon's New Testament in grade five. I remember mine was a, was a silver, was a silver, uh, silver cover on it, and I immediately began to read it, and I loved my Gideon's New Testament. I, I loved to, to read the, the, the Psalms, because they always included the Proverbs and the Psalms in that Gideon New Testament. I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. Somebody asked me, what was the best Christmas gift you ever got? Well, my parents uh, asked us when we were young what we wanted for Christmas. And I remember in grade eight, I asked for, you're going to laugh at me, uh, but I asked for a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. That's what it was called. And it was full of references and the, the chain meaning that you, the, if you're reading a verse, it would take you to other verses that were related to the verse you were reading. I absolutely love that Bible. I still have it and I still use it. Um, why did I love it so much? Because, as the psalmist says, it, it's a lamp unto my feet. 
Uh, that's what the proverb, the writer of Proverbs says. The, the word of God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's my lamp. It's, this is my lamp. It's my word. And as long as I'm studying this word and obeying this word, I won't stumble in life. In fact, I will know joy. I will know success in my life. Yes, even prosperity. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But folks, listen, this is why I want everybody to bring their Bibles to church. Get off your phone. Get off your your tablet, whatever you're using. Use a, a literal, real, physical Bible that you can mark and underline and make notations in the margins. It's, it's revolutionary. Then you will become familiar with your Bible, and your Bible then will become your Bible. Not just the Word of God, but your law, as it says here. Now, the next thing we notice is that this man who's delighting in the law of the Lord and who makes the law his law, he's meditating on it. Now, I need to make clear what this means because a lot of people really don't understand what that term meditates mean. Some of you may be familiar with the term. It's not often used in Christian circles for some strange reason, um, but that term, meditation, may bring to your mind the uh, idea of transcendental meditation. Back in the 1950s, Maharashi, Mahash Yogi, he came up with this technique of achieving inner peace and spiritual renewal by repeating a mantra slowly over and over and over and over again. And what he would say is that the mind will settle and then whoever's practicing transcendental meditation will be able to transcend thought and enter a silent state of bliss and tranquility. Can I, can I beg you, don't ever do this. This is not biblical. It's more related to the occult and to the new age. This is not what we're talking about when we're talking about meditation. And I gotta tell you four more, a few more things that it's not. It's not Lectio Divina, uh, this is, uh, again, what they call spiritual reading. It's very much like transcendental meditation. It's shockingly similar. Again, I would invite you, do not, do not enter into that. Uh, if you don't know what it is, you can look it up yourself later. It's Lectio Divina. There's another practice called contemplative prayer, and it begins with what's called centering prayer. It's a meditative practice where the practitioner focuses on a word and repeats the word over and over for the duration of the exercise. Again, it's not biblical. We don't find Jesus doing this. And can I say that if you're invited to participate in something that you don't find in scripture, then if you have doubts, don't do it. If it's not in scripture, you should probably run from it. Or at least you should talk to your pastor about it. There's a new practice that one of our young pastors told me about uh, told me about it, it's called listening prayer. And again, this is, this is very much kind of like Lectio Divina or even contemplative prayer. But people are told to clear their minds, which is something the Bible never tells us to do. The Bible does not tell you ever to clear your mind. And then you need to, what they would say, is spend time concentrating, listening for God's voice. Again, this is not... This is not something the scripture teaches us. This type of subjective uh, subjectivity, this type of subjective prayer, it bypasses completely the objective written word of God. 
you need to understand that anything that's, that bypasses Scripture, anything that does not include Scripture, is going to be dangerous. It's going to be very dangerous indeed. It's, this is how heresies arise. People think they're getting a special word of knowledge, a special word from God, and they go off in their own direction. This is what Joseph Smith did, and this is where the Mormons come from. A man who thought he, he saw an angel of the Lord, the angel Moroni, and he believed that he was getting special revelation from God. Folks, listen, anything that goes around the law of God, the word of God, is and should be immediately can be considered suspect and dangerous for your spiritual well-being. This, this sort of passive receptivity uh, in, in, in listening prayer has more to do, again, with New Age teaching and with the occult than it has to do with Scripture. So if you've been practicing this, I'm sure that you've been practicing it innocently, and I'm sure that God, by his Spirit, has protected you. But you need to stop now, and you need to learn from David that when it comes to meditating and praying, you are meditating on the word of God as revealed here in this book. And you are praying according to the word of God, the law of God, whatever you want to call it. So what is this meditation that David is speaking about? Well, the Hebrew word translated meditate here uh, means to soliloquize. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, basically it means to mutter uh, uh, to, to speak out loud your thoughts. You're speaking and, and, you're, th you're, speaking and you're thinking out loud uh, what you're reading about. The idea is like a, a cow chewing its cud. The, the cow comes to the green pasture, feeds on that grass, he che she chews it, she swallows it, and you know she's got three stomachs, so she swallows it, she regurgitates it, starts chewing on it some more, she swallows it, she regurgitates it again, and, and, and it's sort of this repeat process where she's chewing and chewing and chewing until she gets every, every ounce, every atom of nutrients out of what she has been eating. Well, this is really what we're doing with the word of God. We are chewing on the word of God. We're speaking it out loud. We're, we're mulling it around. I've been doing this for 40 years. This is how I do my devotions every day. I take a passage of scripture. Just, you, sometimes it's just a sentence. Uh, sometimes it takes me a few days to focus and to chew on these words, and I write my thoughts down. But I am, I'm literally chewing on the word of God every day. I'm chewing it, I'm regurgitating it, and I'm chewing it again. I know it's a, it's a gross picture, but you get the point, don't you? Why do we do that? Because we want to get all of the nutrition, all the nutrients from God's word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is nutritious. It keeps you living, it keeps you alive. It keeps you growing. It keeps you joyful. You're lacking joy? Get into the word of God. Begin to read it. Begin to chew on it. Begin to think about it and speak it out loud. Mull it around. Sometimes I come to a verse, I know instantly what it's about. I can write pages and pages. Other times, I'm not exactly sure what this means. 
Now, for a lot of people, what they do when they don't understand something, they're like, I don't get it. They close a book out of frustration. I, there's no point. I, I, can't, I can't get anywhere with the Bible. Don't do that. Stop what you're doing and give God time. Give the Holy Spirit time to reveal it to you, and he will. That's what we re- just read. We just read about what Jesus said. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the helper, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The Spirit of God will speak to you, and he will teach you if you will just learn to chew on the Scripture. Meditate on it. Swallow it, regurgitate it, chew on it some more, discuss it with the people around you. That's the, the wonder and the joy of Christian fellowship, is that we, we chew on the word of God together. And we chew on it until we are able to get every, every ounce, every atom of nutrition from his word and from the truth. And I'm going to tell you, for me, there is nothing that brings me greater joy in this life than chewing on the word of God and allowing God to speak to me. Now, let's move on here, because here's what David says. He's chewing and meditating on the word of God day and night. He's, he's chewing on it. He's repeating it. He's saying it out loud. He's telling his wife. He's, he's t- telling his kids. He's whoever wants to listen. He's discussing it, and he does this day and night. What do I mean by that? Well, what David is saying is that the, the law of God is not something that you tack on for 15 minutes at the beginning of the day or squeeze God in at lunch hour. I'll, I'll, maybe on the, while I'm driving to work, I'll, I'll, I'll have my Bible open and I'll read a passage and quickly utter a prayer. No, the, the, this meditating This chewing on the word of God is something that happens throughout the course of your day. In fact, it dominates your day. Your your day must begin with and end with the word of God. You need to chew on it. You need to think about it. You need to read it. You need to go back and, and see what it's all about. It needs to control your day is really what it's saying. Do you remember when Moses was done leading his people and just before God called him home, he appointed Joshua to take over from him. Now, can you imagine being in Joshua's shoes? How on earth is Joshua going to take over from Moses? I mean, Moses was the one that went face to face with Pharaoh. Moses was the one who got the got the children of Israel across the the Red Sea. He was the one that, as you remember, went up the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. He's the one that led Israel through the wilderness and fed them with manna. Joshua's thinking, I can't do this job. How on earth am I going to ever take over from Moses? And maybe that's what you're thinking right now. How on earth are you going to do what God's called you to do? Some of you maybe are wondering, how can I be a better mother? I don't even know how I can be a mother. How can I be a better father? How can I do the thing that God's calling me to do? Well, here's what God says directly to Joshua, because I'm sure that Joshua fell on his face before God and said, God, you got to help me. I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know how I'm going to make it. How can I possibly lead your people? And remember, he's not just leading the people through the wilderness. He's not just a tour guide. He's now 
at the place where he's got to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. The promised land, by the way, is occupied by their enemies. It's full of Israel's enemies. And Joshua's scratching his head. God, I, I just, I don't get this. I, I, how can I do this? Well, here is what God says to Joshua. And let the Spirit of God grip your heart right now. God says to Joshua, study this book of the law continually. This has got to be your source book for all wisdom and for all understanding and for all guidance in life. He says, meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Why is it important to obey everything written in the word? Well, here it is. It's because only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So if it's been a while since you have been in the word of God, I implore you, I beseech thee, I beg with you, get your Bible out and start feeding on it every day so that you will prosper and succeed in all you do. You will prosper and succeed as a mother, as a father, as an employee, as a businessman. You need the word of God. You need to meditate on it day and night so that you obey everything written in it. Remember, when you and I are obeying the word of God, then we are enjoying the blessing of God. We receive his joy. You're lacking joy in your life? It's probably because you're suffering the consequences of disobedience. We lose our joy when we are disobedient, but we are joyful when we enjoy the rewards of obedience to God. God wants us to succeed. He wants Joshua to succeed. As far as God's concerned, he doesn't care if it's Moses or Joshua. He could use anybody, anyone who will obey the word of God, who will meditate on the word of God, who will know the word of God, who will study the word of God continually. It's a beautiful and rich picture. Please, when you come back, when we're all able to gather back in church again, Go online, go to Amazon, order a Bible. Uh, if, you, if you're not using one, if you, if you have a Bible, dig it out and use it. If, you, if it's an archaic language, you don't understand it, get a, a version you understand. Get the NIV, the New International Version. I remember when I got my first copy of the NIV, remember I began with King James, but when I got my copy of the NIV, I devoured it. I couldn't get enough of it. I'm underlining and highlighting and making notations. It was, I couldn't get enough of that. It was, it was thrilling. It was a delight to study this book of the law continually. Oh, that we would delight in the law. Well, that's what, that's what this man does. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What brings you pleasure? Because here's the thing. If you are not getting pleasure from the word of God, you're probably getting pleasure from things that are contrary or stand in opposition to the word of God. From what are you deriving pleasure? We are living in an age when we have every kind of conceivable entertainment at our disposal. 
Maybe it's time for you to do a fast from the video games or do a fast from social media. Maybe it's time that you take a break from TV and from the movies and whatever it is that, that, that occupies your time. Maybe it's time to jump into the Word of God. You say, oh my goodness, Pastor, that just sounds like the most boring thing ever. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you that you too can delight in the Word of God. You can delight in the law of God. You've got to stop reading it as though it were a chore and begin to understand that it is God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, speaking directly to you. What could be more delightful? What could be more amazing? What could be more awesome than God, the creator, speaking to us through his revelation, the word of God? Folks, when you delight in the law of the Lord, then you will have joy, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Are you lacking that in your life? Let this day be the day that you begin once again to delight in the law. Turn the TV off. Not now. <laughs> Turn the TV off. Open your Bible and just read. You say, Pastor, where should I begin? Well, I think some, some good places to begin, if you haven't been reading for a while, is you can begin in the Psalms. You can also read in Proverbs. What I like to do is I like to read a, a chapter of Proverbs. I like to read about five chapters uh, in the Psalms. And then I go through my regular uh, devotional passage by passage by passage study, which I've been doing for 40 years. But begin, begin to read. Read through the Gospels. I, I always tell people, read through the Gospels and let it nourish your heart and be reminded of the great things that, that our Savior has done for us. Let me just close with this. I've been married to Gloria for 32 years this August. And I'm going to tell you that my wife Gloria is the most joyful person I know. I'm not saying that she never has moments when she is sad or moments when she is frustrated, moments when she feels maybe a little bit blue. We all have those moments. But all in all, she is the most joyful person I know. And what is her secret? I'll tell you what it is. I've watched her for 32 years, reading her Bible every single day. If she's working at 7.30 at the hospital, she'll be up at 5.30 to read her Bible, to do her devotions, to meet with the Lord, and then get ready. That's how she's lived her life. It's how I've tried to live my life. You and I need to learn what it means to take the law of God and make it our possession. We need to learn what it means to meditate on it. To, to chew it over, to mull it over, to not give up on it, but to stick with it until God speaks to, to us through his word. And it needs to be something that dominates your life, day and night. You need to learn what it means to delight in it. And when you delight in the law, then you have joy, a joy unspeakable in your life. My brothers and sisters, this is my prayer for you, that you will fall in love with the word of God all over again so that you may know the joy of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth herein. We ask, O oh God, in Jesus' name, that you would enable us by your spirit to once again start feeding daily, day and night, on the word of God, so that we may know the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord 
is the evidence, is the fruit of feeding on the Word. God, help us, we pray, to be lovers of the Word, people who delight in the Word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.